0: Exploring the way in which different people and cultures experience time, I was fascinated to learn that throughout the world, there are buttons which don't actually do anything. Some of us, like me, immediately press a button when we get to a pedestrian crossing, or the closed-door button when we get into a lift. But if you've ever suspected that these have limited effect, you might just be onto something. I read of an interview with Transport for London, and it became clear that the pedestrian buttons at many crossings don't actually mean that the green man appears any sooner. So why do these buttons with no functionality at all exist? Well, actually, in the case of those traffic crossings, while lights may change automatically whether we press the button or not, To do so does enable some accessibility features that are only activated when the button is pressed. But in reality, the more widespread, spread reason for those buttons and why they're called placebo buttons is that they serve a very different function altogether. They serve a function of enabling us to feel that we have some agency, some control. Doing something, even if it's just pressing a button, is preferable to just being passive. Why do I begin with this? Well, the past year has been one in which our sense of being able to have control and to exercise it has been completely turned on our heads. Frequently, I feel that I'm responding to rather than determining events. This year, then, those phrases of the covenant prayer seem to me to take on a resonance that's even more significant than ever I've known it. What does it mean to pray this prayer in the context of a global pandemic what can we learn from the way in which Jesus, in his life and ministry, trial and passion, seemed to embody the tenets of the prayer? And what hope can we take from the prayer for the months and weeks to come? Well, many of you will, of course, be familiar with the Covenant Prayer, but it's probably useful, I think, to remind ourselves that this annual celebration, this offering of ourselves to God again, goes right back to the time of John Wesley himself. From 1755 to this day, in times of calm and stability, in times of apprehension and of turmoil, Methodists, have responded to God's call and challenge and promise by praying this prayer in the context of a living and loving relationship, a covenant. The traditional covenant prayer makes clear the depth and breadth of that relationship. It embraces the whole of our lives. So profound a basis for discipleship is this prayer that many Christians outside of Methodism like myself, have come to value it greatly. Thank you for sharing and living this prayer. Well, this year, as I've uh, suggested, we come to live and to pray the prayer in what we've come to know as these strange times The strangeness of the times, of course, is evoked in the phrases and the concepts that we've all started to use in our everyday lives. Socially distanced, two-metre rule, furloughed. Next slide, please. And you're on mute. Spoken-word artist and poet Harry Baker captures something even deeper, even more salutary when he describes... Days when I couldn't answer the simple question, how are you? And other times, when I felt like my whole world was accidentally stuck on mute. Do you remember how in the very early days, just before that first lockdown, we watched Amazed at images of shoppers in supermarkets with trolleys laden with toilet roll? We might have laughed, but a nagging sense that we too should get out there and claim our own and stock up was really hard to resist. And the resulting empty shelves, despite all the reassurances, created an actual cycle of scarcity driven by our need to bolster our sense of having the things we need under our control. Even in more normal times, many of us place great value at being able to determine our own paths in life and we chafe against anything that would interrupt our ability to follow through on our own choices and according to our own timetables. The covenant prayer then has always struck a countercultural note but this year let me be employed for you or laid aside for you Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. Takes on an especial significance. So this year, I've been taken again to the life and ministry, to the trial and the passion of Jesus, and the way in which I see him embodying the very tenets of this prayer. The phrase, let me be full, let me be empty, Reminds me that he, in whom all the fullness of God existed, chose to empty himself. He came among us in human form, flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone, in obedience and for love. Rank me with whom you will. Reminds me of the breadth of people for whom Jesus came, whom he brought into his circle from the women who were the targets of crushing moralistic judgments to wealthy but despised functionaries of the state and in his hours of death, condemned criminals. Put me to what you will, carries echoes for me of the prayer Jesus gave to his followers, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and his own soul deep prayer in Gethsemane, not my will, but yours. Jesus, in whom the whole vastness of the cosmos is held together, chose to limit himself, to relinquish control, to hand himself over to the Father and to the hands of humans, no longer my own, but yours. A remarkable feature of the pandemic has been the willingness of so many people to choose limitations for the sake of others. For those whom we love and for strangers, NHS workers and many others have given themselves to serve. For all of us, plans have been put on hold, our freedoms curtailed and our self-interests laid aside. It's not easy when it's proved hard I've noted three things firstly that my usual sense of control is in many ways impermanent and if I'm honest probably illusionary as Jesus explained in that parable about the man who built barns to contain all his wealth only to have all his plans upended Secondly, that to be able to enjoy apparent control, self-determination and choice is a mark of privilege that's not shared by many people around our globe and in our own country. It's yet more probing to consider the ways in which my determination to have my life choices unrestricted may in fact erode the life choices and chances and even survival of others. And thirdly, to recall that Jesus has walked this way before and he does so still, saying, come, follow me. And it's in this that I find hope for these days and weeks and months for the present and for the future. Hope because the prayer that we will pray in a moment is a covenant. It doesn't speak of passive fatalism, but of agency, of choice that's active to trust, to trust in the one whom we know can be trusted. The one who has said I will be their God, and they will be my people. So now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. So be it.